Again, good morning, everyone. Buenos dias, I like that. All right, well, uh, today is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and so you would think we'd be talking all about thankfulness, right? Okay, now you're like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this week is a week that we, can, we should really be thinking about thankfulness and how we are thankful for a lot of things. Uh, but that's not, not the focus today. But I do want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone uh, this week. And, and uh, I'm glad that you guys uh, can live lives of thankfulness, not just the fourth uh, Thursday of November, but uh, every day as believers in Jesus. Um, so, you know, as Thanksgiving is this week, and then, then we start thinking about Christmas is coming up actually kind of soon. Uh, David has a countdown of how many days till Christmas. He's been telling us ever since about day 60 or 50 or something. What is it today, David? 34 days till Christmas, all right? So we have 34 days till Christmas, and, and I don't know about you, but when I was a kid especially, counting down till Christmas was super exciting. And, and I'm not trying to say it's not now, but counting down, because there was this anticipation of what was going to happen on Christmas Day. What was going to happen and there's this excitement of Christmas is coming. Now, I hope that we still are like that, even whether you're a kid or an adult or a seasoned adult. That, that Christmas, when it comes, we're excited about Christmas coming. Now, we've been talking in this, Peter has been writing a letter to the, the churches scattered, the Christians scattered through the in the in the about 30 years after Jesus had ascended and he wrote a lot about hope and 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 this hope is something that we can anticipate this hope is something that we can be confident in this hope is something that we we know the hope our hope is in Jesus it's not just that we're hopeful of something like when christmas is coming we're hopeful to have a great day and maybe give gifts and get gifts and celebrate Jesus. We're hopeful of all those things. But when Christmas comes, especially the day after Christmas, we, we still, or sometimes, that, like that, that excitement is kind of over. Like because Christmas happened. And then it's another 365 days until the next Christmas. But our hope in Jesus Christ, our hope in Jesus Christ is a little bit like that. We're, we're hopeful when we see Jesus, when He returns, when, we, when we're going to be with Him in glory. But when that happens, whenever that is, whenever that happens, we don't have to have hope anymore. Hope is only until we're with Jesus. Then we're with Jesus. And then we don't need to have that hope anymore. And so today we're looking at what is the eternal what is something that's, that's, I'm not trying to say hope isn't eternal, but hope is only until we get to Jesus. Only until Jesus returns in glory. Only until the resurrection. But today we're going to be looking at His eternal glory. Because Jesus is eternally glorious. And, and this is something that Peter actually wrote about a lot through this letter, and this is, this is like a little a sub-theme 
in, the, in this letter of 1 Peter about hope. And so we're going to be looking at that today as we close 1 Peter, and we're going to be going through the whole chapter 5, the last part of this letter today. So as we, uh, before we open God's Word, let's uh, take just a moment and pray. Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that we have access to these words that you've had, peop- had people write down. Thank you that your word is preserved, that your word is living, your word is active, and that your word is trustworthy. And we just pray that today that we would be ready to receive whatever you want us to hear today, whatever your word wants us to do, to understand, to think, to be transformed by. And so we just pray that your word would, would speak to each of us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so please turn to, to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would, and it'll be, or you can follow along on the screens. And as, as we start this, this last chapter, it's really this, this final part from 1 Peter, from, or from the, the Apostle Peter, the one that Jesus, when in our Sunday school class, we just watched how Peter was chosen, how Peter was called by Jesus to be one of his disciples. And, and, he, and Peter got to spend three years of Jesus' earthly life following his rabbi, Jesus, following his Lord, seeing the things that, that Jesus did, and sometimes debating Jesus about it, sometimes being right in there on the action, sometimes even even denying Jesus. So Peter was, was all in with Jesus even when he, was, even when he thought Jesus was wrong. <laughs> so this is the same Peter, about 30 years later, wrote these words. Ironically, he writes the first, this part to, about leadership. Ironically, I say this because Peter, was he a great leader because he, was, he denied Jesus? Was he the one that, I mean, he was the one that always did, he jumped out of the boat. He was the one that's always looking for the adventure, but he wasn't always the best one to follow. And now Peter, even though he denied Jesus, and even though, and Jesus restored Peter, but, but he, interesting, Peter is now giving advice, giving wisdom, giving clarity to, to leaders. And so this first part, um, he addresses to the elders. And he says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. And he says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing but as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Now I wanted to share with you as we, as we start this, this last part of 1 Peter, that today our main idea is about God's glory. And our main idea today 
is that, sorry, not, this is the, go back to the last one. The, our main idea today is the, the hope of eternal glory. This hope that we have that's the eternal glory of Jesus. It changes how believers live, not later, it changes how, we, how believers live now. That hope that we have, that we've been talking about in First Peter in this letter, this hope, it's of eternal glory. It's of, of Jesus and His glory. That someday we're going to be with Jesus in glory. Someday Jesus is going to return. It could be today. We don't know. But we need to be anticipating with hope that Jesus will be with us for eternity if we trust in Jesus. If we have given our lives, if we've said, Lord, that you are my master. Lord, you are in charge. And we have and we prayed a prayer of salvation. We've, been come, we've come to Jesus. We've given our life to Jesus. And we have that hope of eternal glory. That hope that Jesus is in control. That Jesus is in charge. And that Jesus will be glorified throughout eternity. And that hope, it changes how we live. It changes how we live now. Not just later. It changes what our view is. What our, what our goals are. What are we achieving? What are we trying to do? It's not for ourselves, it's for the glory of God. Or it should be, anyways. So this first part, as, he's, as Peter addresses elders, you know, there's, we have elders in our church. We have elders, and I, and I hope that we are all praying for our leaders. I hope that we are all praying for our elders as they are, these things, that they are not lording over that they are not pursuing dishonest gain. They're eager, eager to serve. And, and they are being examples. I pray that these, if you're not sure how to pray for the elders, these couple verses right here are great examples of ways that we can be praying for our elders. And so, right away in this first verse, he says that he appeals to fellow elders. He, he himself is an elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. But he says right away that we believers are going to be, that we do share in the glory that's revealed. Notice that word glory. We're, we're going to share in that glory that's revealed. Of course, Jesus is the one that's going to be glorified. Jesus is the one that's going to receive all, all honor and glory. But we're going to share in that because we're followers of Jesus. We're believers in Jesus. And so we can be excited about that. We can be excited about that Jesus receiving all glory. And that's how we can live our lives differently now. And so our first, our first point today is based on that. It's, it's, we lead intentionally. So when, when God's glory matters the most, when, when what we're trying to do as leaders is to bring glory and honor to Jesus, not bring it to ourselves, not lord over our leadership, not saying, You're in, I'm in charge of you, so do it this way. No. When God's glory matters the most, we're going to lead in an intentional way. We're going to lead pastorally. We're going to lead our flock carefully. And so I, I encourage you to be praying for your elders. Because sometimes it's not really a fun job. It's not really a fun thing, but it's not about fun. It's about serving, being willing to lead, being willing to do 
to care for a flock. And, and over and over in the Bible, especially when Jesus was giving parables and talking about things, he, he talks about the people being like sheep. And, and he's saying this affectionately, but sheep are not smart animals. Sheep are, are not, they don't win any awards for anything good. They, they, they're dumb. And, and Peter is saying the, the, to the elders especially, let's lead people that might want to go away, that might try to do whatever they want, that might try to find disunity or selfishness, lead them carefully. And so I pray that our flock, that our elders are caring for our flock, and that our elders are living and leading pastorally and intentionally, and that we can recognize that we need to be cared for, and that we can try to live in a way, which we'll get to, that's, Peter's going to address that next, but we're going to live away in a way that, that we can be examples. Now, in, in verse 4, notice this, that again, again he talks about glory. In verse 4, he says, when you, or sorry, he's still addressing the elders, he's saying, and when the chief shepherd appears. Who is the chief shepherd? We have, a, we have a nice painting over here of our chief shepherd to remind us. The good shepherd. Jesus isn't just the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. So he wants, to, he has shepherds over the flock. He has, he's put elders over churches and over people. But ultimately, it's not the elders. It's not the pastor that's the, the shepherd. It's Jesus is the chief shepherd. And, and each elder, each pastor, each, each leader looks to the chief shepherd, looks to him, Jesus Christ, who is going to shepherd us. And it says that when, when he appears, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. When Jesus returns, when Jesus is glorified, then we also are going to share in that glory. And that crown of glory is never going to fade away, Peter says. So he says, in the same way, verse 5, in the same way, he, then he addresses everybody else. He says, you who are younger. And this is a key part that he's been talking about throughout this book, uh, this letter. He's telling the Christians that we need to submit ourselves and this time he's saying submit ourselves. We, we've heard throughout this letter, submit, submit to the governing authorities. Submit to the masters who mistreat you. Uh, wives, submit to husbands. Husbands, submit to wives uh, in, in a mutual way. But now he's saying, and it, there's lots of different ways that he's saying we need to be in, living in submission. But he's saying live in submission, not just to everyone, but then to the elders. And then he says, all of you, the way you're going to do this is by clothing yourself with humility. It says, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes, opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And he says in verse 6, humble yourself therefore in God's mighty hand 
that he may lift you up in due time. And, and here, Peter wants us, he's, he's making this really important, that all people, we submit to each other by being humble. And so our second point today is that. It's about how we need to have humility. It's about how we need to clothe ourselves in humility. And so if we, or when, when God's glory matters the most, then we live humbly. When God's glory matters the most, we live with humility. We live a life that shows that it's not about me. It's not about, it's not about what I want to do or it's for my glory, for my gain. It's, it's not about me. I live humbly. And that's what we're all supposed to do as, as believers. Is Peter wants us to be saying, let's put on that humility. Let's clothe ourselves with humility. And uh, during, this, during this series on 1 Peter, we've been uh, going through some of the time a, a Right Now Media video from Kyle Eidelman, a pastor in Kentucky, and he's been sharing about different parts of 1 Peter and how that's, how that's uh, meaningful and how that, just thinking of some different ways to talk about it. Uh, and we have a, a short clip today from Kyle Edelman so I, about this, this verse. So remember what we've said, that the word submit is in the middle voice and it literally means to place yourself in submission or to place yourself under. And so it is willing. It is sitting down on the inside as well as on the outside. Biblical submission is placing yourself under someone by choice and with a happy spirit. So what's the biggest difficulty in submission? Pride. And what's the biggest problem in leadership? Pride. What is the solution to both? Humility. And this has been a theme as we have read through 1 Peter. Humility is key. And I love the word picture that Peter uses here. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. In other words, it's not forced, but you willingly and you intentionally put it on like a pair of clothes. When you're living in a more hostile culture, that's not easy. Our pride wants to fight back. Our pride wants to demand to be heard. But Peter says, clothe yourself with humility. So before you go to school in the morning, put some humility on. Get it out of the drawer. It's hard to get to humility. It's in the back. but. Put some humility on while you're getting dressed for work in the morning. Throw some humility on as well. Choose to consider others better than yourself. Choose to not retaliate. Choose to have a teachable spirit. Show the kind of respect that you want to be shown. Peter says that God opposes the proud. A refusal to clothe yourself with humility means that for that day, God is opposing you. He isn't just neutral or indifferent. Peter says he is in opposition to you. When we lower ourselves and put on humility, though, God will lift us up. In verse 6, Peter tells the people that they should give their worries to God because he will soon call them home. Verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And so much of 1 Peter is a call for God's people to live in holiness and humility. But too often, what happens? Well, holiness leads to self-righteousness. 
Holiness ends up leading to pride. The moment holiness causes us to become proud, we're no longer holy. Humility is the foundation of holiness. In chapter... So he says that we need to put on... Peter says we need to clothe ourselves. We need to put on humility. And so that's a, just a, a conscious thing, like thinking about clothes. Like when you put on clothes in the morning, find and be thinking about humility. It's, it's not about my glory, it's about His is what we should be praying every day. We, we take, we find that, that clothes, we find it wherever it is, and we put on humility. We, we dress ourselves with humility. We clothe. And it's just a, it's a conscious thing that we can do to remind ourselves that it's about His glory. Not about my glory. It's, it's not about my pride. It's, I need to submit to the Lord in humility. Looking at what He did. Looking at His character and His heart. And His, his life was all about surrender to the Father and about humility. And so, and He suffered and died. And Peter talks about all through this letter about suffering. And suffering is part of our life. Maybe it's not the main part of our life like it was to the, the Christians then. But suffering, it's like what, what Kyle Eidelman was saying there, is suffering is, is really hard if you're really prideful. If you're just trying to get back at people, if you're, if you're not having humility, you're also blowing your witness. And Peter says over and over about how people are going to see the hope that we have. People are going to see who is in us is greater than, the, than, greater than the world. That Jesus in us is the hope of glory. And so he says, put on that humility. Clothe yourself. Take that intention to live with humility. And then he says something that almost seems like a different this is something totally different. Right after the clothing ourselves in humility, he says in verse 7, cast your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Cast your anxiety on Him. So walk in humility, live in humility, look, think about Jesus, but he says, then he, he says, cast your anxiety. Well, what's interesting about this, this term, cast, it's really this way, it's not just think of throwing, but it's actually a way of transferring. So, if we just say, I, I don't, I'm not going to be anxious anymore, usually we still are going to be anxious. If we're going to say, I, I'm not going to be fearful anymore, I'm going to try my best to, to not be fearful, it's usually not going to work very well. We need to actually take, take that anxiety, that fear, and put it somewhere else. And Jesus wants us to give it to Him. Jesus says that we, should, we can bring all our burdens to Him. He talks about being yoked in Matthew. He talks about being yoked with Him. and his, He says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So He wants us to give Him what we can't handle. We weren't meant to handle fear, anxiety, all these things that, that happen that we have to deal with sometimes. And so, what Peter says is, it's not just throw your anxiety. He says, transfer it. 
Jesus will complete the transaction. He'll take it on. We weren't meant to live with that fear, with that anxiety. And really, we're not going to be able to do that in pride. We're only going to be able to do that in humility. And so I think that's how they kind of are linked here. He says that we need to live humbly and then transfer all your fears, all your anxieties, transfer anything to Jesus and He will take it. And so we don't have to bear that burden. We don't have to, to live in that fear, that anxiety, giving it to Jesus. Now in, in verse 8, he continues, and he says something we've heard many times in this letter. Be alert and of sober mind. And then he says, so he, he wants us to be like-minded. He wants us to be having our, our minds ready to do, having the mind of Jesus. We've heard that. And then he says, your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's saying, watch out, be ready for this. He doesn't want believers that trust Jesus. He doesn't want believers that are going through persecution. He doesn't want them to be trapped by the enemy or devoured by the enemy. He says Satan is real and Satan is looking to devour. We've probably all seen people that have been or maybe even us sometimes, that have been affected by the, by the enemy, by what Satan is doing. And, and this enemy is real. And, and Peter wants us to be so, have sober-minded, be ready, having the mindset of Jesus. But then he says, resist him, resist the enemy, and stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is under undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So what are we supposed to do about this, this devil, this enemy? We're first supposed to be, our minds need to be ready, having the mind of Jesus, knowing that spiritual warfare is a real thing, knowing that Satan is wanting to devour people, that Satan is against Jesus in every way. In John 10, 10, Jesus talks about the devil, that he, that he is the one that's going to, that st- steal, sorry, that he steals, that he kills, and he lies. And he is deceiving people. He's the father of lies. He's doing whatever he can do to take away the ground that Jesus is claiming, and that the, the Christians are living for Jesus. And so Peter says, he doesn't say, oh, it's, it's going to be okay, you're going to win at the end. That is true. Jesus wins. But he says right now, he says resist him. Resist the devil. Like Know what the devil's schemes are. Know that he's trying to, to undermine everything that Jesus wants for you. And he says stand firm in the faith. That means if you're going to stand firm in the faith, you need to know. You need to know the Scripture. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to, you need to know the voice of Jesus. If we're going to stand firm, we need to know the Bible. We need to know the truth of the Bible. We need to know Jesus, our Savior. And he says, throughout the world, the family of believers are going through these kinds of attacks. 
And then he says in verse 10 and 11, just a real a blessing, a prayer. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal, what? Glory. His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, just a little bit, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen, He says. This, this prayer in, in 10 and 11, He's reminding us. It's, it's kind of like a doxology. He's, he's showing us that God is the God of all grace. And God has called us. He's called all believers not just to suffer for a little while. He's called all believers to experience Christ's eternal glory. And after, and after just a little while, He Himself, Jesus Christ, is going to restore believers. He's going to restore us to make us strong and firm and steadfast because guess what? A lot of times we're not going to be strong and firm and steadfast apart from Jesus. In fact, I would say we can't do that without Jesus. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we need to put on all of the spiritual warfare, all the, all the things that, so we can stop the enemy's attack, so we can stand in God's truth and stand with Jesus. Because he says back here that, that God's going to restore He's making us strong and firm and steadfast. And isn't that what we want to be strong and firm and steadfast? Isn't that what Peter ultimately wanted? I mean, when Jesus first told Peter, and he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Peter was the one that said, you are the Messiah. Right? He's the one that announced that he was the Messiah. But then a little bit later, Peter says, but no, Jesus, you, you're not going to die like that. You're the Messiah. You can't do that. And Jesus then says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus, Jesus addresses Peter. Later, he says, when Peter denied Jesus three times, and Peter's there, the, he doesn't know what to do. Jesus has, re- has resurrected, but Peter is off fishing. And in, in the end of John, we, we hear this account of what happens with, with Peter. And how Jesus three times asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yes. And each time Jesus says, feed my flock. Take care of my sheep. Peter wants to be strong and firm and steadfast. He is the rock. Jesus renamed him to be Petras. Cephas is, is or Peter means the rock. And so Peter wants to be strong and steadfast and firm in his faith. But it's only because it's only Jesus himself is going to restore you and make you strong in this way. Our third point today is like if we are, when, when God's glory matters the most, if we have this view that the most important thing is to give God 
glory, then we're going to stand firmly. And we're going to stand firmly because of Jesus and with His Spirit. We're going to stand firmly in Jesus Christ, in the faith, and even during persecution, even if it lasts our whole life, Peter says, just a little while. Just a little while compared to eternity is not a big deal. It's going to seem like a big deal in the moment. Because when we have pain, when we have suffering, it seems to to kind of dominate our minds. It kind of dominates how we think of time. But guess what? My little injury from my finger last week, it doesn't hurt anymore. That's not surprising to anybody, I'm sure. But the, the pain that we go through is just for a little while. It's nothing compared to eternity. And if our focus as believers in Jesus Christ is not to receive glory ourselves, but to receive, to, to give God glory, to make Him known, that people would see Jesus Christ, not the Jesus Christ that, that they think. There's many people that, that think, they, they almost like worship a different Jesus or they think of a, a different Jesus. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it says in Hebrews. And this Jesus, when we have this image of Jesus as the suffering Savior, the one that looked, on, looked with love to those that were killing him and said, forgive them. He looked at them with love and was asking the Father to forgive them. This is the Jesus that we want the world to know. This is the, the, the Jesus that cares and loves each person so desperately. And he has compassion on each person. Like a, like a sheep without a shepherd. People need to come to the good shepherd. And so we want people to see the Jesus, the true Jesus, not just the Jesus that maybe they, they've had some misunderstandings about who Jesus is. Paul closes, or sorry, Peter closes this letter by talking, he's, he's giving some final greetings. He says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, this is just a brief letter, just five chapters, but I'm encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. And he says, stand fast in it. So remember, we need to stand firmly, fast in this grace of Jesus. And he says in verse 13, she who is in Babylon, and he's referring to Rome here, that he's in Rome, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark, which is not literally his son, but it's the gospel of Mark, this, this author, Mark. And Peter were very closely. He called him his son. And he says in the last verse, greet one another with a kiss of love. And I think that's how we should end today. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and the peace, peace to all of you who are in Christ. And that is, that is the gospel. Peter's truth about Jesus, about his desire for Jesus to be glorified for Jesus to receive all glory and that we can put our hope 
in Jesus alone because hope is here. It is here in the name of Jesus. And today in our, in our sermon notes on the back, you might have noticed that there's um, kind of a breakdown from this series. And as today is the last message, I just encourage you to, to as you reread 1 Peter, to be thinking about these themes, these, these themes of what Peter was wanting Christians to know, wanting us to put our hope in, that our hope is, that our hope is in Jesus Christ. And this changes the way we live, knowing when, when we know that Jesus, Jesus is our Savior. And if, our, if we're giving Jesus all glory, our life is going to look very different. So as I said, our main idea today is that the hope of eternal glory changes how believers live in the present. So with this in mind, this hope of eternal glory, this hope that we have in Jesus, our minds steadfast, firm in the, in the sober-minded, thinking about who Jesus is and how He receives all glory, we can live in humility. We can live not about ourselves getting the pride, not getting, getting glory, but giving all glory to Jesus. And we can be thinking about and praying for our leaders. And if you are a leader or elder, be, be leading intentionally, pastorally, helping people, caring for people. Not just living for, for the crown of glory, but we are going to receive a crown of glory that's going to never fade. And we stand firmly. It doesn't matter what the schemes are of the devil. It doesn't matter what happens in our life. It doesn't matter how much persecution or trials that we face. That we are to stand firmly in the faith of Jesus Christ. Knowing that this is just a temporary, a very temporary thing. Just a blip in time. Just a moment compared to all of eternity. And I wanted to read this quote from the NIV application commentary about, about this hope. It says that, that from the onset of First Peter, he's focused on the eschatological, eschatological hope of believers. A hope that sustains them through their suffering. But this hope is not just something that permits them to cope with suffering. It is, in fact, the destined calling God has given them. He's made them His people so that they could be with Him eternally and praise Him forever. So our hope in Jesus is now. And our hope in Jesus will be forever, but at some point we're going to be with Jesus and we're going to be eternally praising Jesus in all of our, in all the glory that is due to Him. So that's, I just want us to, to think about that for a moment. To think about, am I praising Jesus? Am I living my life in a way that the most, the most important thing that happens is that Jesus gets the glory. It's not about my glory. It's not about, what, about, not about me. I'm living, 
with humility, leading intentionally, and standing firmly that we're going to share in this glory to be revealed. And that throughout this letter of 1 Peter, talking about this hope of glory, this, this glory that's coming, and that how we as believers, if you've chosen to trust Jesus with your life, are going to have that time someday for all of eternity that we're going to be with Jesus, giving him glory. So let's make that matter the most now. Let's make him, his name, known. Let's be bold in the way we share Jesus with others. Let's live like this matters. So I just want to invite you to take a few moments to think and pray about this. Maybe think about this question. How does the hope of eternal glory influence the way I live. Maybe, maybe this week you take some time just to, to go back and read First Peter and see the different ways that he, he talks about glory and the, the shared glory of, of Jesus. Maybe this week spend some time just praying through this idea of of giving all glory and honor to Jesus. Maybe it means we evaluate if we have pride that's in the way of humility, that we need to be clothing ourselves each day, putting on humility, looking for it, putting it on. Maybe it means casting all of our fear, all of our anxiety, transferring it to Jesus. So whatever that looks like to you, just take, take a few moments and talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have hope in you alone. Thank you that you give us hope and that that you are hope. Lord, I pray that today that we would experience the joy that you give in no matter what our circumstances are. And Lord, I pray that we would keep in mind this eternal glory that is you, that you are glorious for all eternity. And no matter what we're going through this week, no matter what we're going through this month, that we would seek you, that we would stand firm in you, that we would humble ourselves, that that we would do everything out of this idea of giving you the ultimate praise and glory, not trying to cling to some of it ourselves, but praising you and giving you glory and showing people who you are. Give us boldness. Give us a desire to glorify you, Jesus. We pray that we would be people that trust you ultimately with our lives. And no matter what happens, that we could rejoice and you are Savior. In your name we pray, amen. As we study here in First Peter, to be prepared to give an answer. Pray for that God would give you the ability to get, be prepared to give that answer. And uh, for our benediction today, well, we return to First Peter 5.10, if, uh, if you want to follow along. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.